It's so good to see you all again. So good to see friends and family that are here today. Barbara's with me, and what, a, what an opportunity to share in this service. I like oftentimes share the words of uh, the preacher who reminded his people, I'm God's child. I may be black, I may be white, I may be free, I may be uptight, but I'm still God's child. I may be rich, I may be poor, I may be exciting, I might be a bore, but I'm still God's child. I might be thin, fat, I might be thin, I might be out, I might be coming on in, mistreated, unseated, but never defeated, because I am, what? God's child. That's exactly what it says in John chapter 1, verse 12. For as many as received Him, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become sons of God. Do you believe in the name of Jesus? Uh, let's profess His name today. I believe that Jesus is the Christ, Son of the living God, my Lord and my Savior. The Bible says with the, uh, with the mouth, uh, confession is made unto salvation, and with your heart you believe unto righteousness. Last Sunday, Brian shared discovering God's heart for the lost, and today I want to talk about discovering God's heart for the church, for center point. The church is so special. God ordained heaven, sin, blood bought, Holy Spirit empowered. Did you realize that the Bible says that the church is God's household on earth? Where does God live today? Where is God today? The Bible says the church is God's household. And that's what center point is. The Bible says that the church is the pillar and foundation of the truth. It is rock solid unstoppable, undefeated, and absolutely essential for the saving of a lost world. And when the world is at its worst, what a time for the church to be at her best. He was president of Yale University, 1795. Back then, Yale University and Princeton and Harvard were seminaries. They trained pastors and ministers. Not so anymore. But in 1795, Timothy Dwight was a pastor and became the president of, of, of Yale, Harvard University. <clears throat> and he penned the words of a poem that if you had a songbook, you all know what songbooks are? Yeah, you know, well, some churches still have songbooks. And you'd find in that songbook probably one of his poems that they put in there. I love thy kingdom, Lord. The house of thine abode, the church, our blessed Redeemer saved with his own precious blood. I love thy church, O God. Her walls before thee stand, dear as the apple of thine eye, engraven on thy hand. Beyond my highest joys, I prize her heavenly ways, her sweet communion, solemn vows, her hymns of love and praise. If you have your Bibles with you and care to turn to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 16, or if you've got the Bible on your phone or your tablet, chapter 16 and verse 13, another one of God's short stories that we're going to look at briefly today, Matthew 16 and 13, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? 
And they replied, some say that he's John the Baptist, some say that you're Elijah, and still others say that you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But Jesus said, what about you? Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. And upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell, Hades, shall not overcome it or prevail against it. What is the rock that the church rests on? Peter's confession. Thou art the Christ the Son of the living God. And that's the profession that we made today. If you've never made that profession publicly, there will be a time at the end of the service when you could could do that. In the book of Ephesians, chapter 5 and verse 25, the Apostle Paul said, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for center point. So discovering God's heart for the church. Well, uh, God's heart for the church, his message is clear. But we preach Christ crucified. Only the church has this message. Only the church. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 said, he said, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those of us who are being saved, it is the power and wisdom of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world through its wisdom did not know God, God was pleased, listen to this, God was pleased through the foolishness of preaching to save those who believe. Jews demand miraculous signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, stumbling block for the Jews and uh, foolishness to the Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. We preach Christ and Him crucified. You know the early church in the book of Acts? They didn't go into the world wringing their hands. Look what this world is coming to. They went into the world preaching. Look who's come to the world. Look who has come to the world. The foolishness of preaching. For 2,000 years, preaching has stood in the heart of the church. Pulpits have changed. This is the pulpit that I'm using today. It's actually a music stand, but it stands in the center of the church. For 2,000 years, preaching has been, but we preach Christ and Him crucified. I'm thankful for the testimony that Brian and Brianna gave today. I remember when you came. 
We were looking for a staff member to come to Southern Acres and help us in our evangelism and our outreach. And we found a good-looking young man with a sweet wife that lived in Finley, I believe it was at that time, Finley, Ohio. And uh, they came and talked to us, and they accepted a call to come and be a part of our church. But it wasn't long because Brian had an itch to preach and plant a church. And after he heard me preach for a while, he said, if Wally can do it, anybody can. <laughs> and so he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. Wally started this church, and I believe that he can, I can start a church called Centerpoint. Bluegrass Men's Fellowship, churches like Tate's Creek, churches like um, Broadway Christian Church, Southland Christian Church. Our church got behind this work. And it was birthed, would it be 15 years ago, I believe? All right. And this church was birthed, and look what God has done. We got behind the work, Brian and Brianna. Uh, and by the way, they believe in church growth. Because I believe when you came, you had Luke. And then here comes Caleb. And then here comes Lily Grace. I like a preacher that believes in church growth. And uh, he is family, so faithful to the Lord, so faithful. And uh, Caleb and Lily Grace, God bless you. I know your hearts are for the Lord. And so, and here's the wonderful thing about it. You know, the message is clear and preaching. And as preaching goes, so goes the church. That's why God has blessed this church in a great way. But here's one of the things, center point, the best is yet to come. You just think about this church and where you're located. All of these homes going up around your church. Citation Boulevard up there. And these acres of land that you've got. And this committed congregation that you've got. And the leadership that you've got in your congregation. The best is yet to come. I will tell you this, that preaching. You know, what does a preacher need? Let me talk about that for just a moment. Because sometimes preachers stop preaching. And they leave the ministry. Sometimes it's because maybe they can't handle their finances. Maybe sometimes it's because their home and their marriage. Maybe stuff happens and they just have to step out of the ministry. But I want to tell you what takes more preachers out of the ministry than anything else. Discouragement. That is Satan's number one tool. To take leaders out of the church and preachers out of the pulpit. You've got a great preacher. And uh, like every preacher, he needs your encouragement. Now, I'm not telling you that he's discouraged. I know that he's not. But there will come times when a preacher comes up against it. Because I'm just telling you, preaching in today's culture is not easy. I had a preacher... I had a, one of my elders over at Southern Acres, Terry Eden, one time told me, he said, Brother Wally, he said, you're a lot better preacher since I started praying for you. <laughs> and you might be interested, oh, hey, Brian's a lot better preacher since I started praying for him. And you start praying for your preacher, you pray for your elders, you pray for your small group leaders, and those who are working here leading this church, and you'll be amazed You'll be amazed at what great leaders they are. 
Well, the message is very, very clear that Brian preaches and needs to be preached. It's good news. That's the message. But it's not good news if it doesn't get there in time. In my thinking, I've underlined what David Platt said. He said that every saved person this side of heaven owes the gospel to every lost person this side of hell. Think about it now. Every saved person this side of heaven owes the gospel to every lost person this side of hell. I want to tell you today the greatest thing that you'll ever do in your life is to share that message, that good news with someone and help lead them to Christ. To be like the lady who said, I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody who can save anybody. It was this little lady, and this is a true story. Do you all get uh, marketing calls on your phone? We still have a landline because our doctors got that number and all of that. So we, and I'd, I'd say if we get 100 calls, 90 of them are some kind of a marketing robocall or something like that. But this little lady, true story, David Jeremiah told about her, she would take their calls and she'd listen to them. And it may be somebody who would say, thank you for taking my call today. I want to talk to you about some great insurance plans that we have. Homeowners insurance, vehicle insurance, <clears throat> a whole life insurance. She had listened to their spiel. And then she'd interrupt uh, politely and say, well, you know, I think I've got all the insurance that I need. But may I tell you about an eternal life insurance plan that comes when you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? Oftentimes the call ends right there. But she gave testimony that there are on occasion some folk that actually listen. Tell me more. It may be somebody who calls. Uh, I'm, thank you for taking my call today. I, I, I want to tell you how that uh, just five easy steps you can get out of debt in three years. And they'll go on and talk about what they want to sell. And then she'll interrupt and say, Sir or ma'am, thank you for calling today. But I've been out of debt for five years. But I want to tell you about a debt that you owe and I owe that we could not pay and I want to tell you about someone who paid that debt, Jesus Christ. And uh, yes, that's where the call ends. But on occasion, people keep listening. They keep listening. They keep listening. You see, that little lady was somebody. I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody who can save anybody. And I want to tell you today, the only thing you can take to heaven, you can't take your good looks, you can't take your car, you can't take your home, your land, your cows, you can't take your bank account, you can't take your IRA. The only thing you can take to heaven is another person that you've won to the Lord. Well, the message is clear. Discovering God's hope for center, uh, heart for center point, <clears throat> and the mission is unmistakable. Jesus, in the last words that he said, some of the last words, go into all the world and disciple the nations. Teach and baptize and keep on teaching. And he said, I'll be with you always to the end of the world. And that's to the end of the age. That's very interesting because it's the co-mission. It's the great co-mission. And Jesus says, when you're doing what I'm commanding you to do because I came to seek and to save the lost, and when you take the message... Your mission, take the message. And when you do that, 
the co-mission. I will be with your church. So if you want Jesus in this church and with you, you need to be doing the mission that he has given you. There are currently 350,000 churches in America. 80% of those churches are plateaued or declining. Every year, 3,750 churches close their doors. Every year, 4,000 new churches are planted. But only 60% of those will survive after five years. Now, you might say that's a bit of a dismal report, preacher. Yes, it is. But, but, there are churches like Centerpoint that are growing, that are on mission, that are expanding. There are churches, and many of them are Christian churches. This is Centerpoint Christian Church. There are churches all over America. My kids, they're down in Atlanta. My daughter married to a pastor. Momentum Christian Church. They've got one campus, two campus. Now they're planting another campus because they're on mission to reach lost people and their church is growing. My son is a pastor out in Las Vegas. They attend Central Christian Church that runs 25,000 people on a Sunday in Las Vegas. But I'll tell you this, Central Church is not there twiddling their thumbs and trying to make people feel happy and good. They're preaching the gospel of Christ and winning lost people to the Lord. They are on mission just like Center Point is on mission. Jesus said, I came into the world so he can save the lost. And that's what this church is all about. Please remember the church does not exist for us. We are the church and we exist for the world. And just think about it this morning for just a moment. Center point. Here is center point. Now is reaching all the way out to Portland, all the way out to Salmon Creek. And what's the team? What's Brian and Luke and the team doing out there? He sent me a text message. They've been going door to door to door to door, passing out pamphlets about the church and about a community event. What are they doing out there? They're in an American Legion Hall uh, getting it ready, retrofitting it for the launch of Generations Church. One of your staff members is now the lead pastor out there, Kyle Davies. And they're getting it ready, putting drywall up and all of that. And the American Legion is going to give them a year's free rent because of the work that they're doing. And in October, that church is going to launch. Just think, Center Point is a part of that. Can you say amen to that? Oh, man, I tell you. And that is an amazing thing. And thank God for that. Father God, I want to pray just a moment for Brian, for Luke, and for the team. And Lord, I want to pray for Generations Church. It's going to be another outpost of the gospel planted there to win people to Christ. And Lord, I pray for that church. I pray for Brian and Luke and the work that they're going to be doing this weekend and getting them back here safe and sound. And Lord, I pray for the launch of that church at Salmon Creek this fall. And I pray, Lord, your blessings and your power to be with them in Jesus' name. And God's people said, well, discovering God's heart for center point, the message is clear. And the mission is unmistakable. 
And I want to tell you one more thing. The future is out of this world. I'm talking about the church. Think about it. Oh, my. Oh. Think about it. God could have given this work, the message and the mission, to His angels to evangelize the world. But He did not. He has given it to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. My, how God has entrusted and blessed. And He has promised church that the future for the church is out of this world. Here are some of His last words. He said, I will come again and receive you unto Myself, that where I am, there you may be also. I want to ask you today, where is Jesus? We know when we study the book of Acts that after 40 or 50 days, He ascended back to the Father, the resurrection, and then all of these appearances, and then He ascended back to the Father in heaven, and the angel said to the disciples, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye here gazing into the heavens? This same Jesus which is taken up from you will come in like manner as you have seen Him go. But He hadn't come back yet for the church. Where is He today? The Bible says that he's at the Father's right hand, as you study the Scripture, making eternal redemption for us. Where is he? He's at the Father's right hand, interceding for us. Where is he today? He's in heaven at the Father's right hand, preparing a place for us. Where is Jesus? The Bible says he's at the Father's right hand, awaiting the command from the Father. Only God knows, even Jesus does not know, the day in which God is going to give him the green light and he is coming back to this earth in power and great glory. Do you believe that? That's exactly I'm telling you. I'm telling you that's why he's coming. And it says in 1 Thessalonians, For the trumpet will sound when Jesus comes back. The dead in Christ will be raised. And then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be. Therefore comfort one another with these words. That's 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 13 and following when he talks about the return of Christ. <clears throat> discovering God's heart for the church. The mission is clear. The message is clear. The mission is unmistakable. The future is out of this world. Now this weekend, we have been looking back 50 years ago yesterday when Apollo 11 landed on the moon. I was 26 years old then. And I remember it was, if I remember correctly, it was in the wee hours of the morning. And they televised it. And uh, we had a black and white television. I had a, I had a movie camera, an 8mm. You all don't know anything about 8mm movie cameras, but that was the state of the art back then. And I had that little 8mm uh, uh, camera, and I sat down in front of that television when they walked and when they stepped, when uh, Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong stepped out when Neil stepped out of that capsule down onto the moon, and you remember what he said? One small step for mankind, one giant leap for mankind. And I was sitting there with my little video camera videoing that, and I've still got it. Took those eight millimeter little cartridges and put it on CDs, and so it's preserved. And, uh, but I remember that, and President Nixon said, of that event. 
He said, this is the greatest event in the whole history of humankind. This is the greatest thing that has ever happened. And someone said, no. He said, the greatest thing that ever happened when men walked, when a man walked on the moon. Someone said, no. The greatest thing that ever happened is not when man walked on the moon, but when God walked on the earth. And boy, that's what happened 2,000 years ago. When the Word became flesh and walked among us, John chapter 1, He walked among us and we saw His glory. That's the character. We saw His glory, His character of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, why did come? Why did Jesus come and walk on the earth? Why did He come? That's what this Bible is all about. There are in this Bible 31,102 verses. Someone would say, Preacher, could you give me in just one verse, just squeeze this Bible down, Old Testament and New Testament. 31,000, could you, could you give me one? That is the summation of why Jesus came and walked on the earth and what the church is all about. Its message, its mission, its future out of this world. And here's the verse that I would give them. Right here it is. Would you read it with me? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. 26 words, 31,102 verses, and that verse right there. If you know nothing about the Bible, there's where you need to go. And if you know everything about the Bible, there's where you need to go back to. Right there. That's the message, that's the mission, and that's the future of everybody who puts their faith in Christ. I want to tell you today, we're going to close here now. Devin's going to come. But I want to tell you today, I'm not going to come here and preach without giving you a summons. A sermon without a summons is no sermon at all. Summing you to Christ. I want to tell you today, God loves you and will never stop loving you. I want to tell you today that God is not mad at you. I don't care what you've done. God's mad about you. That's why He sent Jesus to die in your place. I want to tell you that. Jesus went to that cross right over there so you wouldn't have to go to that cross for all eternity. That's what that verse is all about. And I want to tell you today that heaven is prepared for you and for me, for all who put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ.